Let me ask you a question. Who serves me? Now, some of y'all may remember me from a couple times before. I'm Satan. Or the dark one I like to be called sometimes. Come on, who serves me? Anyone? No? Hmm. Guess I had y'all pegged all wrong. All right, well, let me ask you another question. Who has ever lied? If your hand's not up, you're lying. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, it's a safe place. We, you know, we've all done it, really. I mean, it happens. All right. But another question. Has anyone ever cheated on a test, taxes? Nobody's ever cheated in school. You've never copied somebody's homework. Really? Come on. Of course you have. All right, another one. Has anyone ever made fun of somebody? The dork sitting next to you, maybe? Your spouse? I mean, that's what they're there for, right? I mean, a little fun? We've all done that. Sue, so, who serves me? Some of you had your hands up a few seconds ago. What? Hmm. I don't think God is a fan of liars or cheaters. But maybe you've just gotten so good at it that you don't even think about it. You just do it. I'm sorry, I tricked you again, didn't I? I'm good at that. You see, the problem is, you come in here, you sing your little worship songs, you raise your hands, and you think, oh, I'm good. I'm taking care of it. I'm safe. See, the thing is, it doesn't matter where you sit in here, how many times you sit in here. Ooh, be a little harsh. Right? Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to show you my hand a little bit here. I want to educate you guys just, just a little bit. You see this? This right here? You may have heard of this before. We've talked about it. It's called the line. Some of you know it. We've talked about it. You see, the line is what separates his side from my side. And we, we, right now, you're probably, you're on his side, right? You're in church. You're safe. You're putting on your happy Jesus faces. Pretending everything's all right. But in just a little while, you're going to walk out those doors. And you're going to come on my side. Because that's where real life is, Right? You deal with real situations over here. Probably your, your real friends are over here. Your entertainment's over here, your TV shows and movies. Those internet sites that you go to for relaxing and whatnot, it's over here. When you go to work on Monday and you're having those conversations in the coffee bar and the water cooler, they're happening here. Now, depending on who you're around, you're going to jump back on his side, Right? And that's what you do. You jump back and forth trying to get the best of both worlds. How's that working out? Now, don't get me wrong. Some of you have done a really good job of that. You've been practicing for a very long time. But Jesus said, said himself, 
You cannot serve two masters. You love one, hate the other. Or as it is with you, you are fully devoted to one and despise the other. Now, church, let me ask you a question. If, if he owns that side of the line and I own this side of the line, then who owns the line? Hey, Robert. Psst. Hey, Robert. How you doing, man? Doing good? You doing all right? Hey, come here. Let me show you something. Come on. Let me show you something. Attitude, I like that. Come on, come on over here. I'm just, let me show you something. Dude, come on, it's over here. Just, just, just take a couple steps over. It's good. Are you afraid? Are you afraid? Ooh, ooh, big strong man, yeah. Come, I could use a big strong man. Come here, just come on over. Look, look, I'll tell you what. Look, I'll back up, give you plenty of room. Look, it's okay. Look, everything's cool over here. It's easy. Nothing's wrong over here. You can come back anytime you want. Just... Come on over. Yeah, that's, it's good. Look, I'm way over here. I'm not going to bother you. That's it. See, the water's fine. It's not even hot. Really, come on. Come on over. No. See, it's not, did anything happen to you? No, it's good. Come on over. There you go. See? Hey, Robert, let me show you this really cool stuff. Ooh. Big bad guy. Hiding behind. Jesus. What do you like? Is he like your babysitter? What's going on? You have no freedom to make your own choices over there? Come on over here. Everything's free. Just come on over. Ooh, that looks like a lot of fun. Getting bored over there. Hey, Robert. Oh, hold on a second. Ooh, Robert, you just got an email from Dave. You know who Dave is, right? He's got those attachments on his emails and whatnot. Whoa. Wow. You need to come check this out, man. Dang. Woo. That's something else. Dave's character. Hey, Robert. Hey, is that, you doing all right there? That, that looks really tiring. Hey, is that comfortable? Whoa. Really? Is he going to be there every time to pick you up? Huh? Going to raise you up? Robert, just listen, you have the freedom to make a choice. You can come right over here and just, you could be, just do anything you want to do. You can look out for Robert. Robert can make his own choices over here. He can do whatever he wants to do. Robert, hey, what, what are, are you doing? doing? No, hey, well, Robert, come back hey, over Robert, here. A couple steps over here. Hey, hey, Robert, you're doing great. It's a trick. Robert, you're doing He's a great gonna job. He's going to lead you Robert, down the wrong way. Just keep on coming this way. Walk with me. You're doing great, Robert. Come back. Hey, just come over here. I want to show you something. Can't you see? Robert, you're doing great. You're going great. the wrong direction. Oh, Robert, you're going the job. wrong direction, Good job, Robert. buddy. Keep going, Robert. Hey, Robert, meet you in just a second, all right? It's so simple. It's like taking candy from a baby. So, church... Keep thinking you're safe. Just keep walking that line. You're doing a good job. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. We uh, have enjoyed the last uh, few days. We've been able to be with uh, Jeffrey and Julie for a little bit of time away. And um, we got into town on Saturday night and, uh, and we saw Ava. We had only seen her one time before and she was really small. And so, uh, what a little grandbaby, what a beautiful little girl. 
And uh, so on Monday, we were together, Jeffrey and Julie, and Annette and I, and my daughter, Morgan, and her friend, Courtney. And, and all day Monday, Jeffrey and Julie talked to us about Ava. <laughs> but on Tuesday, they talked to us about Ava. <laughs> oh. You know, we, we had little girls um, a long time ago. They're 24 and 18 now. But uh, when our girls were little, we taught them to sing a song. Uh, in fact, one of the ways we taught them about God was we taught them through music. And we taught them to sing, um, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. Um, the second verse talks about ears, what you hear. And if you will join me, you can rescue this from being a solo. So would you sing with me? Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little ears, what you hear. I think the next verse says something like, uh, Be careful, little hands, what you do. And then the last verse says, Be careful, little feet, where you go i got to wonder if somebody's looking me in the eye right now who is thinking to themselves, Rick, if I had just paid attention to that little childlike song, I could have saved myself a lot of grief and a lot of pain in life. If I had just paid attention to that little song, how much pain I could have saved myself and the people who love me. Does it ever amaze you that sometimes the most powerful messages in our lives come in the most simple words? Or the most profound truth comes in the language that even a child could understand? You see, I think that when we were young and we were teaching our girls to sing that song, I think we knew in our hearts that there would be somebody someday who would try to get them to look at something they should never look at. And there would be somebody who would tempt them one day to listen to something they should never hear. And there would be somebody who would try to get my little girls to do something they should never do. And someone would tempt my kids to go places they should never go. Because we knew in our hearts that we have an enemy. The devil who is looking for somebody to destroy and who wants to destroy their lives. In fact, those aren't my words. I found them in the Bible in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. And here's what the Bible says. It says, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to destroy. So let me put those words on the screen for you and, and we'll share them together. Uh, before I read them, let me just talk to you a minute about the book of 1 Peter. Um, it's an interesting book to me because everywhere you open the book of 1 Peter, you find the word suffering. Um, every chapter you read about suffering. In fact, in the very first chapter, uh, verse 1, uh, here's what he talks about. He talks about to the saints, to God's elect, who have been scattered throughout the world, throughout Pontius, um, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And the reason that they're being scattered is because they're being persecuted because of their faith. But, but even as he writes to these people who are being 
persecuted for their faith, he says things like this to them. Um, Just as the one who called you is holy, be holy in all you do. And he says stuff like this, abstain from all of your sinful desire. And then he gets to this line in chapter 5 where he talks about the enemy of your soul is going to try to destroy you, and you've got to resist him and stand firm. What, what I love about 1 Peter is that it's so Christ-centered. And, and here's what he says, that even in the midst of all of that suffering that you're going through, you can live this life that God has called you to live. And the reason you can live this life is because we have a new birth and a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I love language like this that I find in the book when he says stuff like, you have been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, not by silver and gold. And so the hope for living this life that God calls me to live is because I have been raised to this new life with Jesus. And the resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for me in this new birth that I'm a part of. So let me, let me read these words to you. Here's what he says. He says, be alert and sober of sober mind. Your, your enemy, the devil. Now, I don't know if you knew that you had an enemy, but you have an enemy. I don't like having an enemy. Uh, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Uh, my, my basic makeup is that I want to be liked really bad, and I want you to like me, and, and I don't want to have any enemies in my life. But the Bible says I have one. I have an enemy. He, he, he's writing now really addressing a group of people, and it's young men that he's talking to. He first addresses the elders, and he says, care for God's flock, and then he says young men. And when he says young men, this is where he goes. And so you might be sitting beside a young man this morning. If you are, just kind of look at him and say, you're, you're a young man. See any young men in the room? How many young men are there here? There are not that many of us. Because when I talk to guys who are 90, they call me young man. See, it's, it's relative. So he's talking to young men, and he says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, you might not like the fact that you have one, but you have one. And the Bible tells you who he is. It's the devil. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. He wants to destroy somebody. You'll do just fine. Resist him. This is the instruction that you get. Standing firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of... And here we find that word again that we said we find all through the book of 1 Peter, sufferings. So the question is, does the word sufferings really belong in this paragraph? And when you're talking about the enemy, does it really have anything to do with suffering? And what does it have to do? And then how do you apply that principle to our lives? I think that's what we have to figure out today before we leave this room. I remember a couple of years ago sitting down by a guy whose name was Christian, and, uh, and Christian attended our church, and uh, we, we went to lunch, I picked him up at his house, and we went to a Skyline Chili. Can I get a witness from anybody in the room? Any Cincinnati folks here? It's, it's unique, it's weird, if you've never eaten it, you probably wouldn't like it, but once you eat it, you kind of acquire a taste for it. It's like coffee, I guess, you learn to like the taste, maybe. So Christian and I are sitting here, and I said to Christian, I said, Christian, how are things going since the last time we talked? He said, not much better. I said, what about your driver's license? Are, are you going to be able to get them back pretty soon? He goes, I, I don't think so. I said, well, I hate it. What, what about a job? He said, well, if you don't have a driver's license, you, you can't really drive to work, and so 
you know, I'm limited in getting a job just where I can, where I can drive to. I mean, where I can walk to. And you saw where I lived. I said, um, you, you, your dad, is that any better? He goes, no, we're not talking still. What about your sisters? No, if they come over to the house, you know, they, they mostly are with mom. You understand, this is a young man who had so much promise. Christian was raised in our youth group. Uh, Christian was, was, was a kid who was baptized in our baptismal pool. His family are well-educated people. It wasn't a matter of if you'll go to college, it's where would you choose to go to college, Christian? Um, everything that, that you could just kind of lay out and say, we're going to make you a really good life, he had it all laid out for him. And, and when I think about a person's life who just kind of comes to this point, I, I just think, not, not Christian, not this boy. This boy has had all kinds of promise ever since he was small. A great extended family. Everything was laid out. Christian could become whatever he wanted to become. You want to be a lawyer, Christian? You want to be a doctor? You've got good sense. You've got family. You've got education in front. Whatever you want to do, you can do it. And I said to him, I love you. You know that. And I know I'm going to talk straight with you for a minute, but that group of guys in your driveway, they're not going to help you get on the right track. And he smiled and he grinned and kind of shrugged and said, I know. You understand that this is what the enemy wants to do to a person's life. This is what the enemy desires to do, to take a young man with all kinds of promise and just say, I want to destroy you. He doesn't say that he wants to hurt you or harm you. That's not enough for the enemy. He wants to destroy you. He wants to mess with your family system. He wants to hijack your career. He wants to mess with your future and put it in jeopardy. He wants to create distance between you and God. And so the Bible says that you have an enemy, and he is the devil, and he prowls around like a roaring lion, and he's looking for somebody not to hurt, not to harm, but for somebody to destroy. And I watched him take this young man's life and just kind of melt him down to nothing. I, I, I think we got to deal with this issue of suffering because it, it, it's pertinent to how this passage applies to our lives. You understand that... The early Christians lived under Roman rule. And Rome decided that Christianity was forbidden. And so if you were caught practicing Christianity, you were going to be prosecuted as a criminal. And so the history of the early church is sometimes difficult to read. Because many of those early Christians were persecuted because of their faith. Sometimes Christians were put in cages with wild hungry animals, and they were eaten alive. Sometimes Christians were burned alive because of their allegiance to Jesus Christ. Sometimes Christians were brought into these large sporting arenas, and they were made sport of, and their lives were taken in front of thousands of people just for fun. Many Christians suffered at the hands of the Roman emperors. Many lost their lives. And so Simon Peter writes to these people who are being persecuted because of their faith. And he says, you've got to resist, and you've got to stand firm, and you've got to be alert. 
Because you understand that you have brothers all over the world who are suffering like you are for your faith. But they are being strong and they are hanging in there. And what he is really saying is that the enemy is going to get you where you're weak. He's going to get you where you're tender. Now we know what it means for them. I think the question of Scripture always is the same. What does it mean for me? And so I think that the question you have to answer before you walk out the door today, if Satan is going to throw his best punch at me, where is he going to throw it? Where am I weak? What is the area in my life that I am the most likely to give in to temptation? Where is that place in my life where I feel the weakest in my defense? And I think that's where this passage really gets down to earth for you and me. Um, this, this little mom who went through a very painful divorce, who didn't want a divorce, came in my office one day, and she sits down and, and she says to me, Pastor Rick, something awful has happened to me. And I said, well, why don't, why don't we pray? And, and then you can share with me what it is that's going on in your life. And so we prayed, and then she says to me, Pastor Rick, I went to a party with my work not long ago, just, just a few nights ago. And she said, I don't, I don't drink much alcohol. But, but at that party, I, I decided that I would have a glass of wine or two. I hadn't had much to eat that day. And, and, and I, was, I was surprised at how much I was drinking. And she says, finally, it got to the point that, that the people that I was with, my friends, said to me, you, you can't drive home. There's no way. And so she said, one guy there who works with me that I don't like a lot, and I think that he has a very poor view of women, and I've never really cared for him as a person, he said, I'll, I'll take her home. And she said, my, my kids were with the sweater, sitter because I, th I thought I would be in late. And she said, so he, he brings me home, and she says, Pastor Rick, I, I can't believe that this happened, and I can't believe that I'm sitting here telling my pastor this, but before he left my house that night, I had sex with that man. I, I don't do stuff like that. I, I decided when I was divorced that I would not be that kind of a person. She said, but I feel awful, and I feel dirty, and I feel sinful, and I feel shame. And, and I don't know what I'm going to do about all of this. How, how does God view me at this point? Do you understand that, that here's what Peter says. Your, your best defense against the enemy, he says, is that you must be sober and you must be alert. Now, now the word sober that he uses in Greek is nepho. And, and what it really means is to be of like a, um, a, um, a very... Um, you can tell I'm struggling with this mic like crazy. It's just moving around on me. Just leave it alone, right? Keep my hands off of it. I'm good. <laughs> so, so what the word means is, is this. It means like to be a very um, sound mind. It, it means to be at a point in your life where you are able to make good sound judgment. Oh, okay. So, so he's not saying when he says be sober what we would think of when, when we think of sober. He's not saying, you know, be sober in the sense of the opposite of being, you know, like... Uh, uh, 
having some mind-altering substance in, in, your, in, your, in your body. That, that's not what he means. No, I, I think that's what he means. I, I, I think that he is saying, don't do anything in your life that inhibits your ability to make good, sound judgments. I think he's saying, don't eat or drink or anything else, anything that puts you at a point that you cannot be of sound judgment. You, you have an enemy, and he is the devil. And if he can just get you off balance a little bit, then he throws his best jab, and you're on the mat. Do you understand the Bible says, the Bible says this, the Bible says do not become drunk. I'm quoting scripture right here. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says do not become drunk. And there's a reason why God says do not become drunk. The Bible says don't become drunk because once the enemy gets you off balance, then he throws the uppercut and he's got you on the mat and he can do whatever he wants. You have to be in control of your life at all times. You have to be able to make good decisions as a child of God. And so what does he say? You've got to be in control. And you've got to be alert. L listen to these words. That's the next line. Be alert. He is sly. He is cunning. He is deceitful. And, and you've got to watch this guy. You know what Jesus says about the devil? I, I, I don't know if you've let this verse get by you or not, but this is an incredible verse of Scripture. It's in John chapter 8, verse 44, and I'm quoting Jesus right here. This is who's talking, okay? Jesus says, when the devil lies, he speaks his native language. Did you know that was in the Bible? When the devil lies, he speaks his native language. Now, I don't know what your native language is. Many of you, it's English. Uh, I think maybe I speak a little bit of Kentucky. That's where I was raised. But Jesus says, when the devil lies, he speaks his native language. Because he is a liar and the father of lies. And so he's going to be lying to you all the time. That's what he does. He's cunning. He's deceitful. He lies to you. He tells you things that are not true. And so you've got to be alert and you've got to be self-controlled. Let, let me think with you a little bit like this, okay? Uh, the, the enemy is never going to come to you and sit down beside you and say, um, have you ever considered robbing a bank? No, I'm not going to rob a bank. I don't rob banks. What are you, crazy? I'm not going to go to prison. I don't rob banks. No, that's not what he says to you. Here, here, here's what he does. He comes to you and he says things like... Uh, you can be proud of your work ethic with this company. You work hard. You make them a lot of money. You're probably underappreciated and you're probably underpaid. If you mess with the numbers a little bit, it would be more money in your pocket. And they probably owe it to you anyway. Who's going to know? Because his goal is just to move you a little bit. It's to keep you from standing what Simon Peter says to do, and that is firm in your faith. See, the enemy is not going to come to you if you have been faithful to your spouse in marriage for years and years and say to you, have you ever considered committing adultery against your loving, faithful wife? No. No, what the enemy is going to say to you is something like this. He is going to say... Wow, 
I mean, wow. She is sharp. And, and you know what else? She thinks you're sharp. I mean, that is apparent. And you're on a project together. How crazy is that? You, sh you should text her and see if she wants to work on this project over lunch. I mean, when, when has it been a sin to go to a working lunch? Really, think about it. It's just lunch. You see, if, if you're in recovery, the enemy is, is not going to say to you, have you ever thought about maybe a possible relapse? No, he's going to say, wow, you're doing good. I mean, you're really doing good. You know more about addiction than you've ever known in your life. You've educated yourself well. There was a day when you could not stand one drink. But now you probably could. You must feel good about yourself. You've kind of arrived. You've whipped an addiction. In fact, maybe you should do it just to prove to yourself that you could. That's impressive. You see, if he can just move you a little, and the Bible says, no, 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 you stand firm. You don't let him push you around. You get your footing, you stand firm in your faith, and you resist him. Whatever you do, resist him. You see, I have to stand firm many times in my faith, and I remind myself that I am a child of the living God. I believe that I was bought by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm the husband to Adette. I am the father of Morgan and Brittany. I'm the son of Kendall and Cecil. Jeffrey is my Christian brother. I live out my life in the context of a community of faith. Christ Jesus died on a cross for me to save me of my sins. He was raised from the dead on the third day. And the same power that raised him from the dead is available to me and enables me to live this life that God has called me to live. I will stand firm in what I believe and I will not be moved by the enemy. He will not push me around and bully me. When, when, when James talks about it, he, he talks about it being a process. In chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, he says, We are tempted when we are dragged away and enticed by our own evil desire. You say, now Rick, sometimes I'm tempted. Is that a sin? Because sometimes the devil tempts me. Is that a sin to be tempted? No, it's not a sin to be tempted. Jesus was tempted. As long as you are following Jesus, you're going to be tempted. And James says what happens is you're tempted when by your own evil desire you are dragged away and you're enticed. And so he's going to use your own evil desire to tempt you. Is that a sin? It's not a sin. Step two, James says, here's what happens. When sin is conceived, rather when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. So it's when I give in to my desire that, that I'm in full-blown sin. And then James says... When sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. That's when a person is destroyed. Um, Casting Crowns uh, sung a song several years ago. And they talked about this process that James talks about. And, and, and the song says, it's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white have turned to gray. 
Thoughts invade, choices made. A price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. Hmm. Well, I, I feel like I should take a minute here and just, and just tell you that there's a lot of hope here in 1 Peter. You, you realize that in our theology, we are not dualist. We do not believe that there are two great powers bidding for your soul. We are monotheistic in our theology. We believe there is one great power. The Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And it's not a matter of me just saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this to heart and I'm going to resist the devil and I'm going to stand firm in my faith and, and I'm going to be alert and I'm going to be sober in my judgment and I'm going to try harder and, and I'm going to pull this off. No. Early on, Peter begins to talk about this new birth into this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you and I to enable us to live the life that God has called us to live. Everybody in this room, through the power of Jesus Christ, can live this life. Everybody in this room. It's possible for you. I remember, I remember leaving my office one day when, when I was at Springdale. And, and I was getting in my car. And as I was getting in my car, this lady pulls up kind of in a rush. And uh, I rolled down my window and said, hey, you know, just waving as I'm driving out. And um, she said, I thought I might catch you. I can't believe I've missed you. I said, no, it's okay. I'm, I don't have an appointment. I was headed home. I'll go back in. and We can talk if you need to talk. And so she kind of describes to me this typical, um, I don't know what's going on in my marriage, but something is up, and I've confronted Rich, and he says it's nobody, but I think it is. And it was just one of those conversations. So we, we prayed together, and... Um, in a few days, she called me and said, okay, he's finally admitted there's somebody. I said, do you think he would talk to me? And she said, um, well, he knows I've talked to you and he knows I'm talking to you today, so I think you should call him. And so I called him. And so he came in, and he probably wasn't excited about doing that, but he did. And uh, we sat down together. I said, you want to tell me, tell me about it, Rich? And he says, oh, I was at a Chamber of Commerce meeting. And um, I was with someone who knew somebody that she was with. And the four of us ended up sitting at a table for lunch. And when she found out what kind of business I was in, she thought I might help her with a project. And so I told her I'd be happy to. And somewhere along the line, the texting became more personal than business because it's a slow fade. And then we met for lunch. 
And then things were said that should have never been said. And that's how it started. It, it was hard to watch. It was hard to watch his life because over the next few months, I watched him lose his relationship with his kids. And I watched his business go down. And, and because they asked me if, if I would help them try to settle things financially, I looked at their finances and I watched them crumble. And I watched him become a single man. Can you look at me for just a minute? Guess who his son was? It's the guy that I had lunch with at Skyline Chili. Because the devil is looking for somebody to destroy. He's looking for a family to destroy. Your family will do just fine. We have an enemy. And the Bible gives us his name. And he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to destroy. And so Simon Peter says, you've got to stand firm. You've got to be alert. You've got to be sober in your judgment. You've got to resist him. And you can, because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you today. And you can live this life that God calls you to live. So I ask if we could play this song at the end of the service today. So I want you just to focus on the screen and um, just let the Lord speak to you um, as you watch what's about to take place. second glance that ties your hands as darkness pulls the strings be careful little feet where you go for it's the little feet behind you that are sure to follow it's a slow thing when you give yourself away it's a slow thing when black and white 
turn to gray and thoughts invade Choices are made A price will be paid When you give yourself away People never crumble in a day It's a slow preach, you always um, uh, ask yourself, how do you respond to the Word of God? What's, what's a good way this week to respond? And I think that prayer is always a great response to the Word of God. And so my assumption is that as you 
you know, sit here this morning and you listen to these words, there's probably a few responses that are taking place in your thinking. And I think that there's probably um, people in the room who would say, Pastor Rick, there's somebody in my life, somebody that I love. And, and I've been watching them fade over the years. Or maybe I've been watching them fade just recently. Um, and, and I've watched them instead of standing firm and resisting and being alert and being sober. I've been watching them give in. And, and it kills me because I'm watching somebody's life just being destroyed. Right now, there is somebody in my life. And I'm just watching them make choices that I don't get. I don't understand it. And I'm just thinking, can't, can't you see that you're just kind of giving in to the temptation and the tricks of the enemy? And he's lying and he's deceitful and all he wants is to destroy you. And so this morning... If I'm going to pray in response to this message, that's one of the things I'm going to pray about. I'm going to pray for her. And so I think that maybe there's others who'd say, you know, there's somebody I really want to pray for today. And, and then there might be others here today that would say, Rick, I, I feel the enemy working on me. You know, and, and I just know he has my number right now. He is wearing me out. And, and you want to come and just say, Lord, make me strong. Help me to stand firm, to get my footing and to stand in my faith and to resist and to be aware and to be alert and to make good sound judgments and to rely on that resurrection power that is available to me to live this life that God is calling me to live. So, Jaron, maybe you can just do something for us a few minutes. You can sing or play. And uh, why, don't, why don't we stand where we are and let me just pray. And if you want to come down and uh, kneel and pray for somebody that you love, or if you want to come and just pray about your own walk with God, uh, or, or maybe you just choose to stay where you are, to stand right there and pray, that, that's a good place to pray too. I grew up with altars. And, and I love it when people come and put their hand on my shoulder and pray over me. And, and maybe you would love that today, just to come and pray and let the people of God just come and kind of surround you and love you and pray with you. So if you want to come, you're free to come now. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the instruction that you give us in your word. I thank you that you give us real solid information about how to deal with the enemy. And I thank you that you remind us that there is power that is available for us. Power to live this life that you've called us to live. And there's not a person in this room who can't live this life well. Everybody can do this. Because of the power of Jesus Christ that works in us. Some of us pray today, Lord, for people that we love. We don't understand choices. Man, our hearts are heavy. And we want so desperately for their eyes to be open to truth. 
And for them to see that they are just kind of following and falling for the tricks of the enemy. Sometimes not the big choices. It's the small choices that we make. That add up on top of the other. And it truly is a slow fade in somebody's life. People never crumble in a day. Help us, I pray, Lord. In Jesus' name.